0: We only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. It is Politics Done Right. Welcome to Politics Done Right. From the studios of KPFT 90.1 FM Houston, your community radio station we have a great program for you today. Carl Smith discusses what Democrats must do to win 2022 with aggressive messaging. Carl Smith is concerned that Democrats are seeding the 2022 election. Hey, a, a, a listener said, I have given up about on humanity completely on humanity. I can't take it anymore. I said to him, no, listen to this. Look, I got a necessary rant on student loans. I want you guys to listen to this because it's going to be a very important message. So, these three topics and much more is what we're going to talk about, but we need you to be here. Anyway, I got some big thank yous that I've got to give. Mike Hall of Conroe, Texas. Claudio Arena of Sugarland, Texas. Teresa Allen of Spring, Texas. Dave Bartlow from, I guess that is New Orleans. Uh, Anyway, on Facebook, Uh, Nellie Clausen, Conroe, Texas. David Morris, Houston, Texas. Thank you guys so kindly for those contributions. We could not do KPFT without you. You guys keep us on ear. This 100,000 watt station that we have here, it takes a hell of a lot of electricity. It takes a hell of a lot of, uh, of cooling. So you guys make it happen. Thank you so kindly. Now, today is the last day of the year. For those who are listening to this program on New Year's Eve, I want to ask you to think. Think about this very important year that we have coming now. More than ever, independent media needs you. So please follow those those donors that contributed to Politics Done Right to ensure that we can go ahead and keep this going. Please go to kpft.org and give whatever you can in the name of Politics Done Right. We're going to have a few offers with books and so forth you would hear later on in the show. This is not a show that's going to be talking about gimme, 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 but this is a show that's going to say this is the kinds of things that we have to offer. These are the things that you're going to hear at KPFT that you won't hear anywhere else. So, you know, be a part of it. You can get any one of my books as a gift for becoming a member of KPFT. Go to kpft.org, click that donate button, select Politics Done Right as the show you're supporting, and go into the gift area and select, as I see it, Class Warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom, or you can also get It's Worth It, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors, or go to how to make America Utopia. Take away the economy from those who rigged it. If you get one book, it gives you one particular membership price. Two books, you get a discount. And three books, you get an even better discount. So please consider becoming a member of KPFT. And in the process, you get the gifts of the books. You can get Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at Facebook.com slash Politics Right. On YouTube Live at PoliticsDoneRight.com slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My handle is at Egberto Willies, at E G B E R T O W I L L I E S. Before you get started, please remember to keep your community radio station in your minds k p f t in your minds talk about it tell your friends about it tell them you know about this station in town 90.1 fm houston that needs your support that is there to provide what that nour- nourishment that we need 713 526 5738 k p f t . o r g visit us online contribute online k p f t 90.1 fm you can visit us at kpft.org you know what i'm going to say now folks let's get busy let's go to the student loan
1: And we have breaking news from the white house the president has just announced he's extending the pause on federal student loan pre- repayments nbc's monica alba is back with me from the white house monica we didn't let you get away very far a lot of news coming today uh Talk to me about the student loans and just extending this. It was
2: supposed to expire January 31st. This is a really significant development, Andrea. When the president first came into office, he directed the payments be put on pause through August. Then later in the summer, they determined they were going to extend that again as Delta was surging to the end of January, as you point out. And now the president is saying an additional 90 days will go into effect for this pause. So this punts it all the way to May 1st, 2022. And of course, this is something that the administration had been under pressure to make a decision about Given what we're seeing with the economy and this affects more than 41 million Americans who really felt they wanted this breathing room to continue to figure out what the president and this administration may do overall when it comes to student loans. And it is something that the Department of Education is reviewing with borrowers to see if they're going to make some changes. Of course, there have been many advocates, many Democratic lawmakers even, who've asked the president to consider forgiving up to a certain amount. Of these loans,
0: as it turns out, we got another night and day reprieve for all our young people with debt. Well, actually, with everybody who has student debt. I have a, an open discussion with a darn good friend of mine, Professor Jay Tice. He told me that I needed to be careful the way I pushed student loan forgiveness, and he, and he made a great case. And the great case he made had to do with all those folks in Appalachia that never took advantage of student loans, they just went ahead and didn't go to college. And he spoke about all these people in these different parts of the countries who pretty much would not get the benefit of getting that break, that student loan break, and that the Republicans could use that as a hammer to say, look at these elitists on the coast giving themselves all these tax breaks for these kids who went to school. And, you know, after he told me that I had to think about it, and he's partially right. But you cannot go with partially right when something is absolutely right. We allowed all these state governments to give breaks to corporations. We allowed all these state governments to cut their support for public state schools and then It meant those who wanted a higher education had to spend more for that education. You can say, well, yeah, they're the ones who are gonna benefit from the higher salaries from that education. True. So I want them to share a responsibility of that education. But you know who benefits the most from an educated populace? The plutocracy, the owners of Exxon. The owners of all these other things, they are the ones who benefit from an educated population. They owe it to America to pay for those schools. Because remember, when when they offloaded all of that into loans, they get you twice. Corporations lend you the money. After corporations lend you the money, they profit from the interest rates that you pay to pay back that money. And then the corporations make money... <clears throat> on your excess labor, meaning you go ahead and you work for Corporation X, you design a parachute or you design an airfoil, you design a wing and they make X amount of dollars on your design they pay you a bit and they profit the rest. So everybody is making a profit on you. I'm not saying you shouldn't partake in your education, but it should be shared. And that's what student loan forgiveness is all about. Student loan forgiveness is saying for those people. And, and by the way, if somebody in Appalachia want to step out and go to college like many do, do it. If somebody in the, in the ghetto de barrios and everywhere else want to do it. Do it! But it is important for us to understand how our economic system works. When I wrote the first part of this story, and I put a video on YouTube, somebody said, Egberto, you freeloader, pay your damn bills yourself. I don't want to pay your bills. To which I replied to him is, I am not in this fight for me. My student loan was paid off 10 years after I got out of college. Every penny of it was paid off by me, okay? So I'm not a freeloader. Most of this stuff that I'm doing is not Oh, I'm doing it for Egberto. It's not the case. But I'm saying, it's not fair. First of all, it cost me a lot less to go to school than it cost my daughter, than it costs everybody else that's going to school now because our system wasn't as rip- ripping people off as it is now, as it is now. Eric says, politics done right. Egberto Willis is called a job. You, a person used to pay your debt back. If you borrowed it, Paying off your debt teaches you something about life. No, it doesn't teach you anything. If if it taught you anything, why would the corporations take such good care of creating bankruptcy laws? Bankruptcy laws prevent corporations from paying debt and I, as a small company, had to to give up over $5,000 from a company who went bankrupt and didn't pay me. Let's go ahead and play this other video. I want you to listen to this guy in detail. He pretty much tells us why COVID is here to stay. And it has little to do with science. Want you guys to check this out? We'll take it on the other side.
2: The testing is still such a big issue, and this is something the Biden administration promised from the get-go. They were going to get testing up to speed, and yet it, it hasn't been um, up to speed. It's not up to speed, maybe because vaccinations were ongoing, and it seemed like the waves were under control. That being said, um, it's still not there. So what's going on with these at-home tests? Why can you get them all over the world in bulk, and you can't get them here?
1: Well, the distinction here, Katie, is the difference between a nationalized healthcare system and one that is based on the pursuit of profit. I mean, we have here a system that was supposed to be built around market demand, right? And so, as you mentioned, when we got focused on vaccinations, then suddenly testing capacity went down. But first, let me just show you the benchmark against which experts say we should be comparing ourselves. I want to show you a couple of numbers here. At the, uh, the beginning of the pandemic, experts basically said we were, are going to need 20 million million daily tests in order to remobilize the economy. That's about a sixth of the nation on a daily basis. But even at the very peak of testing, when we were flat out a year ago, we only really got to about 2.2 million a day. Right now, we're looking at an average of about 1.5 million a day, just a small fraction of that benchmark number. And so how are we going to fill that gap? Well, some people are hoping that the 11 makers of at-home tests plus the private providers of lab tests might be able to fill the gap, but they are also flat out right now. We spoke to the operations manager of one such company yesterday. Here's what he had to say about the flood they are seeing. Two, three weeks ago, across the board, we were collecting about 25, 30,000 COVID tests
3: per day. Today, we actually just finished our day with over 120,000 samples collected across the nation. Um, We're seeing sample increases of about 300% in Florida, uh, Texas seeing about 400%, Southern California seeing about 350% increases
1: um, from last week alone. So, definitely seeing a a big increase in sample volume. So what we're seeing here, Katie, is definitely a, a sort of structural failure, right? If you have people lining up right now, that is market demand, right, without the adequate supply to meet it. The free market, the invisible hand, is not going to take care of this. One public health expert said to me that this should really be compared to the kind of preparations that one makes in a military setting, right? We spend a lot of money on the military here in this country, in part because we keep emergency stuff at the ready we fill hangers with equipment that we may hopefully never use in our lifetime and have people maintaining that and having it ready at all times it's that sort of thing that we're looking at remember that 20 million uh, person a day benchmark that we're talking about that would cost the estimate is about 20 million dollars a day the market does not want to pay for that unless people are going to pay them back right now what we're talking here about is really the need to have an ongoing capacity not just for this crisis we're in right now, but for the next variant, because not all Americans are getting vaccinated, we're going to keep seeing variants, we're going to need that kind of capacity, and it's clear that it's not going to be possible to make money off it in the way that would keep it in supply the way we're used to, Katie.
0: You know, you rarely see that point of view coming on TV, and I I was shocked. I mean, I I had to do, I was just basically blogging, and when he said, it's the market, that's when my ears kind of peaked up, and I started to listen to what he had to say people you cannot have a, a for profit health health delivery system if you want to keep people healthy you cannot have a for profit health delivery system if you want to mitigate pandemics it's impossible and if you want if you want a clear example in america we are so used to something goes wrong we pop a pill Something goes wrong, we go jump to a doctor and, you know, if you can pay for it, you pop a pill, all that good stuff. You know, I can name you countries right now that they have no vaccine, but the people are not dying in those countries like here, right? And the reason why is most of them, they have some sort of socialized medicine. Everybody follows the rules, etc. I can even start from my country, even though we've had our debts from SIDA, which is a, I mean, it's not SIDA. Uh, what are we talking about? Uh, the, the COVID It has not reached the rates that we've seen in other places, right? Again, if you take a look at some of the places, if if you want a direct correlation with health, take a look at for-profit health and you see what we're talking about. Let's go ahead and bring up my newsletter. I got an email from a supporter that almost broke my heart. I immediately came to my senses. I had the following two paragraphs in my Politics Done Right newsletter, not the Substack newsletter, the Politics Done Right newsletter that I believe elicited the email. This is what I said in that that newsletter. The year ahead is enormous. If we live up to our humanity, it will work out well. I had some other stuff that I'm not gonna repeat here, but then I said, each of us has the power to incentivize goodness and humaneness with our acts. We need to live up to the expectations of those who need us at each other's throats. Let's use this holiday season to reevaluate ourselves and give others a place to land to do good. That act will let the country live up to its claimed values. You know, we claim to be the bastion on the hill. We claim to be fair. We claim to be a democracy. We claim all these things. Of course, none of it is really absolutely true. We know that when the Constitution was written, it wasn't written for most of us, wasn't written for women at all. And it wasn't written, of course, for people of color of any type, whether indigenous or otherwise. And we've progressively moved forward. So, I mean, that's why I said, let's start living up to the values we claim to have. But anyway, the person who wrote me said, I have all but given up on humanity in sort of a dark way. Given what we are living through, this is still the article I'm reading now. Given what we're living through, it is not hard to understand why many people feel that way. But he has not just checking out. He was, not, he was just not checking out. That email was likely a message to someone he felt comfortable with, giving him reason to stay checked in and engaged. I see that as my purpose. And the purpose of many of us who have a platform to help navigate a system that can fluctuate between too sterile for humanity, inhumanely cruel, and sometimes surprisingly supportive. My response, of course, was not to give up. Farid Zakaria had two historians on his show this Sunday that gave me hope while may scare many. In In the 1860s, we had the Civil War was brother against brother. We had uh, people were up in arms about, you know, now they want to settle. settle. It, it's a, it was a war based on states' rights. That's BS. It was a war for those who wanted slavery and those who did. That's what the Civil War is about. Don't let anybody change that reality. So that this, the chasm in the country at that time was huge. Huge. I mean, families were split, just like we have families split right now between Trump Trumpists and otherwise families were split so it's we've been there then we jumped to the 1960s right in this one decade JFK murdered assassinated MLK murdered assassinated Malcolm X murdered assassinated Bobby Kennedy, murdered, assassinated. If you are, if you were living then, you would want to know in that decade, how can America, this supposed bastion of democracy, this bastion of sanity, how could all of that happen? When I think about it, I was born in the 60s, okay? And when I think about the amount of stuff that happened in the 60s, I'm trying to think about how people would think about it if we had a president assassinated, one of the major uh, civil rights leaders assassinated, a secretary of state and a secretary of state, secretary of state uh, attorney, a former attorney general assassinated, a presidential candidate, and and another civil rights leader that was taken hold, how would we, if that happened today, compared to what's happening now, we'd be like, wow. It's the end of the world. But that happened in the 60s. Not to speak about Kent State, where the National Guards killed students. Not to speak about the Democratic Convention, where they cracked skulls like crazy. All of this in the 60s. Remember, we look at it today and it's like, oh, this is crazy. They had an attack on the Capitol. Hey, the one thing that never happened before was the attack on the Capitol But we could say we had an attack on the Capitol. In those days, we had the assassination of the the likely next president of the United States. And we also had the the assassination of a president of the United States. So let's, let's put things into perspective here. So let me continue reading that part, okay? In the 1960s, JFK, MLK, Malcolm X, Bobby Kennedy were assassinated. Riots and polarization were high. Understand... None of this was ever started by the masses in the aggregate. None of it. And many plutocrats have always profited from the turmoil. You have all those assassinations, you got all those, you have the, the place blowing up. The plutocrats are ready there to rebuild, rebuild, sell the cement, sell the rocks, sell everything, sell the guns. They are there. They're there. The plutocrats profit. Going up, when the cops are blowing crap up, they're there to refurnish. When we're blowing countries up, they're there to sell the bombs. The plutocrats always make a profit. But they can only do that, right? We can only go into Iraq, Afghanistan, and all these other places we go into if the people who themselves don't want war go out and say That's not what we want. But if we're at each other's throats, we can't see anything. We look at everything through the lens of our ideological following, which actually is a silly lens because ideologically, except for things like church and abortion, most Americans want the same thing. So when you go ahead and allow that polarization, you are playing directly into the plutocrats. So that they can take advantage, not of the those damn liberals, but also those conservatives. And that is why I preach what I preach. If I go ahead and kick West and and and, and CSAC and and all these, these right wingers out of this stuff and say, you don't think like us, they win. They win. Because we stay at each other's throat, and then they can continue doing everything. Because they'll have West defending their right flank, and they'll have Rudnin defending their left. well, not Rudnin, Runda is, is a lefty. We're talking. They'll have the centrist defending their left flank. That's how it works, people. So what I put as my last paragraph of that little sub block, that little sub post, is the following: We still have avenues to communicate with each other. Here's one. Here is one. Here is one. Politics done right. So remember, share it. Share it. Let people hear the story. Let people understand what's going on. We still have avenues to communicate with each other. It is incumbent on us not to give up our brothers and sisters' humanity. Those who profit from the chaos needed to factionalize us. It is incumbent on those who see the big picture continue to engagement otherwise those dependent on our confused state will profit i mean i hope i said that out to probably six seven thousand people today i hope i hope people take heed on that because that is the game we have a great guest as usual he's been with us before but he wrote a very important piece that we want to explore. And it, uh, I think we all need to sit back, grab a cup of coffee and get ready to listen to some important information. Uh, Carl Smith, Carl Smith is an engineer. You know, I really like to interview engineers and their political perspective. He has a message uh, for the Democratic Party. He stated in his article titled 2022 State of Emergency Democrats must sell the brand or we will lose. Welcome to Politics Done Right once again, Carl. How are you doing today?
3: Very good. Actually, we all lose, not just we, you know, it's the, uh, not just the Democrats will lose, but the Republicans will lose too. Um, I, I, that, is these- so,
0: that is so important because uh, you you sent me along with your article, a message that of how people, uh, how Conservatives or I should say right wing ideologues like Joe Wilson are campaigning. I want to start there because I think it's important to see what they're trying to do to the psyche of the American people. so let's start there.
3: Okay, do you have that uh, that you want to pull
0: that up that little little clip up? Yeah, tell us what he's actually doing.
3: Okay. So basically, what he's doing is he's, you know, and, and what Democrats or, or I mean, sorry, Republicans do, um, you know, constantly is in, and it's really against the brand. And no matter who it is, whatever Democrat, you know, we all basically um, come under this fire. Uh, you could be the most, uh, you know, conservative Democrat out there, and they'll still call you a socialist or communist or whatever. Uh, even after the um, or or during the elections, uh, the runoffs uh, for the Senate in Georgia, I saw driving around and saw these huge billboards, you know, with uh, Trump and socialism and, you know, just trying to basically, you know, uh, equate um, that, you know, Democrats are going to take your freedoms away and uh, and wreck the economy. The store shelves will be bare. You know, we're going to leave all sorts of debt to your, your kids. And Joe Wilson, so he he came out with a his newsletter here just a, a day or so ago and and he calls it the Biden socialist spending package. Um, so uh, this massive Biden-supported Democrat-passed multi-trillion-dollar Build Back Bankrupt uh, spending package, you know, will saddle younger Americans with unimaginable debt and destroy jobs. While Biden's policy or policies are uh, devaluating uh, retirement accounts um, and uh, uh, de- devaluing. Sorry. Uh, undermining social security and compromising Medicare. And it goes on. It's like uh, given today's devastating inflation affecting the pocketbooks of families. See, They they point out a number of things that are really about kind of uh, uh, temporary fluctuations because of supply chain problems and everything. And, um, and, you know, uh, if we had raised the minimum wage to a livable wage and then pushed up those lower uh, lower end wages, you know, our citizens would have more buffer to these fluctuations. There's also fluctuations due to, um, you know, due to uh, COVID itself and the supply or, or demand for product. And we had very low inflation last year. This year we have a little, a, a bit higher inflation, but that noise will go away. And, um, but they want to scare people with uh, that. These are, these are permanent problems caused by the kinds of things that we're doing right now. The kinds of things that Democrats want to do.
0: Now, in your article, you made a very important observation. You say that too often Democrats have a tendency to work on charisma, exploit, I mean, try to bring out their base at the time of an election, et cetera. And I think your theory is that no, you have to be, you, you don't, first of all, you don't start on the defensive, you don't start with platitudes, but you hit it in the gut. And before we go into specifically, You know, people talk about capital, you know, they make us they they make Democrats look like they are anti-economic activity and they are just for giving things away. So before we get there, uh, I think what you're alluding to is Democrats need to get on the offensive. Am I correct?
3: Right. And they they need to go um, after all voters and not just the base and not just get out and, you know, the. Um, New voters, which tend to uh, uh, vote more uh, Democrat than Republican and so on. Um, You know, we've got to go after uh, their base and those, um, you know, in the moderates and independents and and so on. People that have been voting for Republicans, but given a better message and a message that they can relate to and a message that counters these fundamental arguments that we're socialists, we're just going to, you know, because no matter how much you want to do. You know, if you want to help somebody and want to, you know, make things better and all that, but if you just don't think you can afford it, then you're not going to do it. You can't do it. You know, if you think that, you know, so if their message wins, then you know, then um, by not understanding, you know, and and it wins when people don't understand a few basic principles. You know, But no, I don't want
0: to do go into those principles yet because you you elaborate on those principles perfectly, and folks, I want everybody here to visit VoterEducationProject.com, VoterEducationProject.com. That is uh, the website created by Carl. And Carl gives a great explanation of how an economy, uh, how it should work, et cetera. And uh, he he still calls it capitalism. Uh, He and I will never agree on that, that terminology, but what he supports and what he wants is exactly the same thing that I want for our society, and that's what we find very often, that we have different nomenclatures, et cetera, but we all want the same thing, Republicans, Democrats alike. So um, before we get there though, Carl, because first of all, I wanna let you know that I love your article. I think your article has a whole lot of insights that people need to read. So folks, again, go to VoterEducationProject.com. Very important for both my KPFT listeners, as well as our online listeners to go visit that site and also um, provide whatever support you can at that particular um, website. Anyway, Carl, um, isn't it true that most of these uh, Republicans who are running and given all these false information, when, when Bill Back Better comes out or even when all the other product, the other bills that were passed come out, haven't they been campaigning saying, we're providing this for our constituents and these being democratic initiatives?
3: Sure. Um, And uh, I I would actually add to what you said before about going to the website, go to to the video section and there's a a video on how bottom up economics works. And that's the one that's about 11 minutes, a little less than 11 minutes. That'll give you the fundamentals, you know, on how to talk to these these other people. But, yeah, the Republicans, when things are going well, they'll they'll take credit for what they haven't earned. They will they will misrepresent uh, what what they do and they misrepresent what we do they take credit for what they haven't done you know and then uh and then disavow anything you know the the screw ups or they equate well the you know democrats are just as uh just as bad and and so on you know uh as the republicans you know so they'll They'll basically um like say misrepresent um you know things, and for a lot of voters, it's just you know they don't get down into the weeds of you know how things work, um you know the economy works, and all that, so a lot of it just sounds like he said she said, so unless we get into the fundamentals, um then you know and, and they're they're pretty easy to explain you know in an eleven minute video, you can do a pretty good job explaining you know how this stuff um how this stuff works, and also we've got a, you know the reason I say. You know that we've got to really go after this whole thing about capitalism. You know, and socialism. You know, is that they they invest a lot of money. You know, that's what they think works, and it does with uh, about half the voters. So you know, unless we're willing to go there. You know, if we if we kind of shy away from that, you know, of defending this this position and actually uh, taking on the lead in this, then um, you know they're going to continue to win those people. There's there's a, there's a lot of voters that understand the Democrat argument. It's the which is more of a moral argument. But there's voters that are they're more on the economic. And a lot of what the Republicans say sounds like it makes sense. So you know we have to show that. Okay, it might sound good, but doesn't work. And how? And we've said that before, but we haven't actually explained how. So the reason I, I go in and go ahead and take on, you know, capitalism, you know, fine. Well, we, we need to change it from this, you know, what they want to do is have socialism against capitalism. What we need to do is change it to it's rigged capitalism versus enabled capitalism that works for all of us.
0: And, you know, that is why I am, you know, that is why, I mean, I still, when we talk I, I I don't sit down here arguing whether to use the word capitalism or not with you at all because basically you come out with a you came out with a project and you made a hell of a video and that video was I think that video needs to get a whole lot more uh, traction than it has right now because what you show in that video is uh is exactly how a free enterprise system is supposed to work now you continue to use the word capitalism capitalism and so forth well I I'll, I'll give you that uh, sir. But um your, your, your theory as far as what an economic system should look like that supports us all, is exactly what I think uh, we need to do. I, I, I think I would have a bit more social pro- programs in there, but that's debatable as far as whether that it would not defeat not. the purpose or not. I don't know, we won't know till we try. So why don't we take some time here, Carl, and explain uh, what you your, the economic system as you see it. I think we talk a. Why don't you explain it? No. Well,
3: yeah. So, so they want to make it about, you know, socialism versus capitalism, and and you know that that socialisms, you know, they're gonna take your freedoms, or we're gonna take your freedoms away and leave the store shelves bare, uh, bare and everything. But the reality here is these there's there's investments that we all need businesses don't exist without you know healthy and educated people and they don't buy those individually they don't pay for those up front they don't they don't exist without infrastructure they don't exist you know without safe communities community development safety nets um, and the research you know think about how many of our big corporations or even you know even the smallest businesses today um, you know how many of them wouldn't exist Without the investments we made in creating microelectronics and creating the internet and so on, these have paid back millions of times. You know, I don't know what the number is. Or, you know, what the multiplier is, but it's it's a huge number. The the dollars that we put into creating microelectronics, <laughs> you know, our our basic public, you know, one of our basic public investments has has a huge huge multiplier and payback to the taxpayer. So we, you know, and then also in educating. Um, in in 1800, I don't think most Americans realize that in 1800s, um, you know, a good part of it, ninety percent of our population was in poverty, ninety percent, you know. But then we started actually, you know, we 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 created the K twelve education system, free education. Uh, we we basically uh, we had started building our healthcare system. We built uh, infrastructure. Uh, we, we built, built um, you know, our safety nets, uh, safe communities, community development. You know, we, we made all these basic investments. And these things are critical conditions for businesses and most businesses to exist. Yes, a if, if you don't have those kinds of uh, or those common investments, then, yeah, some in- businesses uh, can exist. But most people are in poverty. And that, that economy I doesn't really work very well.
0: Right. I want to stop you right there for one second. Just one quick second. And Carl, please keep your thought. But um, when you gave an out to some businesses that I think is undeserved, when you said maybe uh, there are a few businesses that don't merit from this governmental intervention, et cetera, My contention is that the mere fact that uh, that everybody else get helped and that everybody else that gets help right. is then going to right. buy your product because now they are capable of buying your product, your right. help even if indirectly just wanted to make oh, that
3: I'm, clear. I'm, well, there's a difference between existing and doing well yes right. those businesses a little store might be a little little thing you know but it could be a you know real it could be helping many more people having exactly. much much more product when when the population doesn't have money right <laughs> You don't have, you know, people buying the things that they need. Yes, they have right. a lot of needs, but they don't have the money to buy, you know, th- to buy their yeah. needs. If you look at third world countries today where they don't make these huge investments, you know, about 75%, you know, thir- uh, you know 30 or 66 or two thirds to, um, to, um, to uh, three quarters of their population is in poverty. Right. So, yeah, if we want to, you know, continue and Republicans, it's, you know, talk about taking freedoms. Okay, what kind of freedom do you have if you don't have your health, if you don't have education, if you don't have infrastructure around you to be able to do things, if you don't have the research that basically made you know, discover a cure for, you know, whatever you ended up getting and all of that or what you will get. If we don't, you know, if you don't have a safe community, if you don't have community development, you know, all of these things, if you don't have those things, what kind of freedoms do you have? So when we spend money on those things, yes, it does help people. And some people call that socialism. Okay, but socialism really in the ultimate thing would be government control and ownership of pretty much everything.
2: So, um, so
3: this is this is really just enough of those common investments. Whether you call it socialism or if, if it's socialism, it's it's really for businesses as much as for people because businesses do not exist. So is it really is it is it a necessary part of capitalism? And That's what I'm arguing. So it's it's an enabled capitalism to be much much more prosperous that then can benefit everybody. You know, versus okay calling it socialism, which because that sounds like Government ownership, especially the way they define, it and for a lot of in a lot of people's minds, that's government taking uh, control of everything. These things called um, democratic socialisms—that's really a misnomer. If you look at those economies in Europe that are called that, most products and services are provided by capitalism by free enterprise. Okay, there's a there's but there's some things that are you know healthcare and education, other thing um, you know college education, all that uh, you know is provided by you know, by our common investments. And so when we pump, when we when we help people, when we invest in these things and when we uh, make sure that we don't have, we have the safety nets and everything to, uh, you know, to bring people up economically, are we only helping them? No. The answer is no. We're also helping the businesses. Business communities are arguing for, you know, they were arguing here in this pandemic, you know, that we need the stimulus or we need those payments to individuals, you know, to help keep them on their feet.
0: It is amazing that you brought the businesses. It's amazing that you brought that up because you know when you have somebody like Elon Musk saying, "Oh, I'm not for build back better," when he when he benefited, you know, it, it's amazing. The businesses want all those the stimuli there up front. but when it is time to make some permanence to give people support, then they bought because they know yes, it really means higher taxes, but higher taxes doing Good. And that ultimately will do better for the company. You call those investments, um, by the way, um, Carl, BPIs, basic public investments. And I think you just did a great in, in, example of how basic public investments are actually good for businesses. That's what you just explained right there. Now, you have well, another. Not,
3: not just good. I mean,
0: necessary. necessary. I mean, this. Uh, thanks for, for the correction. For that 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 is a very important correction because good for and necessary they're quite you know necessary is much much more important than just good. You yeah, have another you, thing. Do you
3: even have do you even have a functioning capitalistic system you know at any kind of real level or right what we would expect today without these investments? The answer you, is no. You're so, this so is right. Not socialism. So if we basically get people to understand just a few basic concepts which are explained in the video. You know then then it's going to be like the Republicans they'll they'll say these things but then uh that sound good oh we're gonna give more money to job creators and you know we're gonna get government out of the way and all this kind of things those things sound good but uh, don't work and then and and but if people understand the fundamentals they'll know that you know they'll say bull you know, right. if it's our BS or whatever. Right. You know, it's like if somebody tells you you can put, because uh, you know a few things about your car. Okay, you're not right. an expert about you know auto mechanics. problem. maybe you are, but you know most people aren't. And yet, I'm they not. you know they can <laughs> they can operate their car. Uh, a fan, a farmer can basically have a good you know knows what needs to be done to have a good crop. Uh, you know, but if with your car, if somebody tells you 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 know put sand in the gas tank and it'll run fine, you know you're going to say. B.S. Because you know a few fundamentals. You know you know that that car is not going to work. You know with sand and the gas. You know with sand and the gas thing. So if we just if we you know educate people on a few fundamentals, which can be actually laid out in about eleven minutes. <laughs> so we're not. I mean, people learn more about their TV remote control and. And all that kind of stuff. They spend more time learning these things than what it takes just to understand a few basic principles about the economy. And, and um, and then they'll know the difference between BS and good ideas.
0: And well, you, you have, know, have another <laughs> good point that you talk about called BAW, valuing all workers. And then you put it on your title. That creates customers with money. Uh, you know, I've always said that um, not because somebody is rich or not because somebody owns a business means that they either understand economics or that they have a hell of a lot of stairs. They just know what they want to do or they just know what they're doing. And not the, the, the indirect things from not valuing your workers is, is, a, is actually an entire circle, right? That workers aren't valued. They don't make enough. They, they don't spend. They don't spend that business that depends on people who spend fails i mean they don't get it so speak a little bit about value all workers
3: right yeah well and henry ford knew that uh, he paid his workers you know better now he didn't have competition at that point but you know but he wanted to show the world that hey even his own workers could afford you know this so he could have paid them crap and and had workers but he chose to pay them well you know, and they could actually afford their, you know, afford the cars. And it, you know, it turns out most, um, you know, the, the 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 wage contribution to the price of of, uh, of products and services is actually pretty small, right? For most businesses, and where not. Then those prices should be uh, should be higher. But, but basically, you know, so if you doubled the minimum wage, and by the way, from 1968 to the, to today, the minimum wage would be about twelve dollars uh, if we had just in, uh, adjusted inflation. So, you know, $15 and then the economy, uh, you know, our, our prosperity is actually tripled in that time. So, uh, you know, where obviously none of it has gone to, um, you know, the, you know, the hard working. No, you
0: said, I think people need to understand that because, you know, we, we talk a lot about transferring money to the wealthy and and that all the money is going to the top 1%. And the way the Republicans uh, deal with that is they try to talk about wealth envy or that sort of a stuff, which sort of you know, make a poor person says, no, I don't want wealth envy. I want to do it myself as well. Which, in general, the wealthy has done it themselves. But what the reason I think that is important is for people to understand that uh, the wealth, the wealthy isn't that the wealth. The wealthy are not these benevolent folks. The fact of the matter that you just made a very important point on productivity. Productivity went through the roof. Meaning. Uh, it took less people to make a hell of a lot more and to attain or garner more capital. And all that capital that came in wasn't shared by those who created a, a better productivity, a better product. All the folks to the top took it all. And I think unless people understand the level of selfishness, the level of thievery that is occurring at the top, uh, they continue to think, well, someday that could be me no it's actually never going to be you
3: right for yeah for 99.9999% of the people Right. Won't, you know, won't work out but a lot of that you know the 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 greed and everything uh that, that that's pointed out about corporations um is actually just part of the 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 system it's you know the people um are playing by the rules and unfortunately the rules um are you know are basically so that you have to maximize return for the investor even even if you're um you know you're what's uh, called uh let externalizing negative so so like if you're kind of screwing up the environment or you're killing a few customers or killing some employees or whatever well if the cost of that you know, the, the lawsuits and all that kind of stuff is, is smaller than the profits you will make. You're supposed to take the profits, you know, uh, to turn those to the investor, you externalized negative. There's no, a different you... form and there's there's a different form of governance. Uh, that gets into, uh, you know, having to meet the needs of, you know, being responsible to the needs of all stakeholders and not just shareholders. And, and that's basically the benefit corporation um, and benefits uh, or B Corp uh, certification and so on. So about I think about two thirds of the states now or somewhere in there have B Corp uh, you know uh right. you're able to incorporate as a b corp as a benefit corporation and uh you know if you want to look up uh, b labs or any, you know any viewers out there you look at b labs and kind of look at what they're doing but in court you know we could actually require um uh you know corporations in certain industries maybe the the food industry medical energy uh to be b corps and And, you know, it's like it's it's the rules. So so then they they would be measured against how they treat their community, how they treat their employees, how they treat their, um, you know, their customers and 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 their stockholders and so on. So they have you know, they have a a whole metric system. And it turns out that uh, these corporations generally make they do better than regular C corps uh because their reputations are so much better. Uh they they create a lot more goodwill in their you know their communities. They don't, you know, they don't come in and you know and take a bunch of tax breaks to come there and just leave at the first, you know, whenever they can move that plant to someplace else. And you know, they they don't they're really responsible you know to them. I, I, so I, I that.
0: I want to take you up on something that you just said because you you keep making these important points and then um, I want people to centralize on these points. Yeah. About three, about two minutes ago, you mentioned that these people that are abiding by these rules aren't necessarily bad. They're just playing the game by the rules. And I want to awake everybody to uh, the economists, what I call the new, the new, the latest daddy of capitalism known as Milton Friedman. And Milton Friedman says specifically, that it's not the responsibility of executives in a company to worry about social issues. It's not the responsibility of executives in a company to worry about doing good for society. That's not their job. Their only job is to maximize profits for the shareholder. Henceforth, capitalism as defined by Milton Friedman the latest daddy of capitalism says that the only thing that matters is the maximization of capital. What Carl is speaking about now is saying that doesn't work overall in the long run. And today's economy, that's, that looks like it's doing very well. If you look at the aggregate of all the numbers, it looks great. But the reality is the suffering among so many proves right. that it doesn't work. Continue, Carl. I just wanted to expand on that because... That was a very important point that you made there.
3: Yeah, the uh, corporations used to have a sense of uh, stewardship, you know, toward their communities and their employees and and that kind of thing. And but because of this push toward maximizing profit for uh, shareholders, um, you know that that has gone away. And in the, the regulations, and then you know a lot of the, unfortunately, the rich and powerful, um, you know, end up um, uh, rewriting or or influencing. Uh, policy
2: mm-hmm. uh
3: so then it just becomes more and more rigged and that's you know that's where uh reich uh, has a lot of videos and, yes, he and does. articles on robert reich on um uh, you know, on how the system is rigged, you know, uh, by the rich, you know, for, you know, for the rich. And so mm-hmm. it's not a fair system. Back in, I mean, we, this was like in the 1800s, when we had the robber barons, you know, right. so some of them, you know, there was, there were people and companies that did extremely well, but at the expense of almost everybody else not Absolutely. Oh, and and really, you know, even that wealthy class is actually very small in a in a prosperous economy. There'll actually be a broader wealthy crust. There might be, not be some of the some of the wealth, um, you know, uh, some of the top earners or whatever. You know, uh, they might not have quite as much, but they they do extremely well. You know, so we're not going to hurt them. Right. Uh, you know, by no. and it's really and really a lot of these investments, it's not like. You know these things have to be put in context. Here, Joe Wilson, he talks about oh four and a half trillion for whatever. Okay. You know, and uh, you know, there's, there's these aren't zero costs, and and, and right. they have to be paid for. Well, when we actually do these investments, they expand the economy. They create a billion. You know, they they create a bigger economy. And that's three. You know, that four and a half trillion that they're talking about. That sounds like a lot of money. Oh man, that's that's it's just over so 10 much years. We for that. But you look at ten years. Yeah. That's right. gonna be uh and you know, we talk about well, that's over ten years or whatever. And, and uh, you know, but we don't actually talk about and what the Democrats need to mention is this is actually the, the amount of money, the amount of economic activity over that time, okay, which is somewhere around uh, you know 250 trillion right. uh, it's dollars. It's a small and percentage. So, so four and a half trillion doesn't really sound a lot in the context. Well, talk we're about. coming
0: up we're coming up on time here. Uh, so I, I have to Normally, the last question I ask is tell me something you wanted me to ask you that I didn't. But since I know you so well, I'm going to ask for you to do a better thing. And that is tell me what Democrats need to do in 2022, in two minutes, uh, exactly what they need to do to win it. My contention is that the media would have you believe that it's all lost. I think it is all there to win. Tell us, Carl, how to win
3: we we have to go after their base trump showed uh that um you know you can go into the enemy camp or or play or pay People that aren't voting for you, and you can pull out votes. And if for every vote you flip, it's like two votes—one less for them, and one more more for us. And a lot of people—they, you know, these these places are not monoliths. You know, husbands don't agree with wives, and kids don't agree with their parents, and all this stuff. So if we go in and message, you know, to all of these places, and not, you know, not go, you know, not throw a single voter, just not not uh, not ignore any voters. Just go after all of them with a with a message that can actually resonate with them. Not the more. I mean, you know, we can still make the moral arguments, but we need to make the economic mar- arguments that these are investments that pay off. They create and save more tax revenues than they cost. So, you know, we will pay for these. Like, You know, yeah, a, a fair tax system will uh, help You know, uh, boot, uh, you know, bootstrap these. You know, help kickstart them. Uh, but we need to st- stop talking about, well, how are we going to pay for such and such and, and and turn it into an argument of how we are going, you know, how we're going to kickstart these investments. So, like for global warming, we don't have to come up with thirty five trillion dollars over the next 30, you know, 30 years or whatever to uh, to pay for it, or, you know, we have you know, $35 trillion, that sounds like it almost right now, you know, we have to basically kickstart it with a little bit, that's going to start generating more money, nor uh, tax revenues and stuff, it will pay, you know, pay for it. So that, in that $35 trillion sounds like a huge amount of money, it's in the context of close to a quadrillion dollars of economic activity. We need to point out context. So point, point out context, point out um you know how these things explain how these things actually pay for themselves, and like I said my little 11-minute uh, video, or not even 11-minute video, explains the you know the basics. There's a lot of basic messages in there. We need to start talking about you know basic public investments, and, and let's let's go there. Let's make that full argument. And there's plenty of places for uh, for little you know, terms and all all of that. Um, you know your sound bites and all that, but there's also a deeper argument.
0: Look, folks, please visit VoterEducationProject.com, VoterEducationProject.com. Go to the video sections, play the video, listen to the video, watch the video, and share the video most of all. and How bottom-up economics works.
3: That yeah, That's specifically that, that one, how bottom-up economics works.
0: How bottom-up economics works. This is very, very important for us to start doing the job now. And don't depend on top the leadership telling you what to do. Listen to the grassroots people, listen to the Carl Smiths of the world and to the message to the Democratic Party. I suggest you grab hold of uh, Carl Smith as soon as you can, because he knows how to speak to not only people in the South, the North, the East and the West, but he has a canny ability to reach and touch everybody. Carl Smith, thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right.
3: I hope you had a Merry Christmas and you're looking forward to a Happy New Year. And hopefully we will have a uh, a huge, huge disappointment for the Republicans. You know, they're gerrymandering all these these districts. And hopefully we can go in and take out voters and the, the voters they were counting on. We can take some
0: of them away. Carl Smith, VoterEducationProject.com. Thank you so kindly. You can get any one of my books as a gift for becoming a member of KPFT. Go to kpft.org, click that donate button, select Politics Done Right as the show you're supporting, and go into the gift area and select, as I see it, Class Warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom, or you can also get It's Worth It, how to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors, or go to How to Make America Utopia, take away the economy from those who rigged it. If you get one book, It gives you one particular membership price, two books, you get a discount, and three books, you get an even better discount. So please consider becoming a member of KPFT, and in the process, you get the gifts of the books. You can get Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at Facebook.com slash Politics Done Right. On YouTube Live at PoliticsDoneRight.com slash YouTube please do not forget to follow me on twitter for updates my handle is at egberto Willis at e-g-b-e-r-t-o-w-i-l-l-i-e-s that's it folks my name is egberto Willis. this is politics and right and you know how i end this baby i am what out